Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Modern Nation? I am Anthony Salome, live with Alex, Nick, Alex Nicholas. It's, it's going to be one of those. I, I have a feeling it's going to be one of those. It's a late night edition of the Rush Podcast. You know, we're still doing podcasting, podcasting after dark. So, y'all hear a little uh, interruption there, but it's all good. We're up. People it's 9 p.m. 9 p.m. This might be the latest Rush the Podcast latest. we've ever had. Some scheduling conflicts. I mean, as some of y'all know, I do high school football Thursday, Friday, so it's definitely kind of tough. But hey, we, we're here. We hear a little late podcasting after dark. See what's good. I mean, if y'all are up <laughs> listening, three four seven nine three four zero nine five one is a call number. Always welcome to call and get your comments, questions, concerns in. Hit us up on the open thread at minorrush.com on Twitter at SBN Rush or SBN Rush at gmail.com. Let's jump right into it, man, because honestly, it's one of those days. You can probably hear it in my voice. I'm just like... you fired up. I'm, I'm fired up, but I'm like, what are we even talking about this for? You know what I mean? Like, Not much to say. I mean, there's not much to break down, not much to analyze. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's not applauding Sean Cougar, but Sean Cougar said it all. He basically said, you know, I think what most of the general fans that aren't too homerish and understand the game of football kind of, you know, get, you know, they were outcoached. Or out, I mean, first of all, out prepared, if that's even a word, out hearted, if that was a word, out efforted, if that was a word. And, you know, the fact is, it, not only that part of it, but football wise, they just put themselves in horrible positions. You know, you're talking about the first four or five possessions, <laughs> they, they, they slow down a little bit. Their second possession came with 813 left in the third quarter, 1013 left in the second quarter. I mean, little things that we talked about last week that had to happen. And we just felt like, okay, maybe it's a two-score or three-score difference if this stuff didn't happen. Well, shit, it turned out to be a 52-point difference. And it was to me, it was uglier than 66-14, honestly. And, I mean, that's just the basis of it. This team just was not prepared. You know, they weren't ready mentally. And I think just the psyche, the whole psyche of it was just fucked off. I mean, let's just be real with it. The whole psyche of it, it wasn't nothing about Alvin Jones being out. You know, that was the question all week long. That wasn't a, a mental thing. You know, you got guys out of position. Okay, well, next man up. That's where coaching comes in. And they just were outplayed. They were out everything that you can bring up. That's what it was. And and I think, to me, the most frustrating thing, you know, there's two frustrating things. One, we beat the dead horse, the passing game, obviously. Number two, every time – now, this is year four, so this is – I can say every time. Every time you match up that Sean Cougar's teams have matched up with that physical run-style team. Now, there's a triple option, still that physical run-style team, that smash-mouth defense that attention to detail mention how sound army wasn't on the football field but every time sean cougar matches up with these type of teams in arkansas you know a a kansas state a texas a louisiana tech to a concern a a certain extent it's not even close It's, it's not even close and i think to me that's the biggest takeaway that i've got out of this game more than anything was we want to pride ourselves on being what's been kicking beating the shit out of us in a sense not just oh, man, one possession didn't go our way. No, we're talking about ugly blowouts. And that is what, what kind of fires me up about this whole thing because this is not year two, this is not year three. We follow the recruiting. We see that a lot of these recruits that he's brought in are still young and green and still trying to find their way. So that leaves me the question about development. You know, are, are we developing these guys quick enough to play this type of style and recruit this type of way that Sean Cougar's recruiting? And that's really what was more frustrating out of anything of the score, you know, them just eating with the fullback, 600 total yards, the whole, you know, complaints on Twitter about the, 
you know, the home fan, or, you know, the, the, the home field advantage for Army that they feel huge at Atletico gave up. What I took about it is, you know what, these teams that Sean Cougar wants to emulate just continue to beat the shit out of his teams because either, for one, they're not prepared, or two, we're just out, man. And I just thought it was a mixture of both. And honestly, from not looking at it from a media guy, from a fan's perspective, I would get sick and tired of that same excuse of, we understand it's my fault. You know, you know, something's got to, we, some, we some type here, of improvement has to happen. Here last week, and we talked about how um, how they would have to, to get creative in the play calling and how they would have to sell out on defense to stop the run. You know, and what a good coach does when – you know, he sees that a defense is without their leader and he sees that a defense is going to be selling out to stop their run. He opens up the passing game. Now, I know they only ended up throwing eight passes on the night, seven of eight overall, but it seemed like most of those came in the first half. I don't even know if they threw it in the second half. And there was a point, one drive that I can particularly think of when I actually text you where they threw it two or three times in a row. And that's something you do not see Army do and they move all right down the field. And and seeing that just showed how how different it is when you have a coach that is able to execute a game plan for a game, you know, for a specific opponent that comes in and says, I know what I need to do, this is how we need to do it, and this is how my team needs to execute it. Now, I don't know that Sean Cougar can or cannot do that, but it's just kind of like you're talking about. When you see these big games where you feel like, you know, and this was a game where we felt like we would have an opportunity to win. Yeah, that's we the, didn't. We think neither of us really predicted a sure no, win. And, you know, I thought I thought if Army, you know, got up into the 30s, that they would end up winning by 10 or 14 points. You know, but I never would have imagined that they'd beat us by eight touchdowns. And do the way that they did, like you said, where they opened up the pass. Yeah, I, I just did not expect that, and and it just it's it's very disappointing to see that from a Sean Cougar coach team because as you take a step back and you really. Think about what he stands for, you know, that discipline, that sound fundamental football style of play. It's like, how, how does your team that's supposed to be sound and disciplined get beat by 52 points? You know, it just, to me, that doesn't make any sense. And so um, I made a comment on Twitter and I'm not, I still don't shy away from it at all. I'm not saying that Sean Cougar would be, co- would be, or should be asked. But I made a comment on Twitter about a lot of coaches around the nation oh, that, get fired. After I told them, like I told this. about four people you know, in the press box it, that it, it, there's no there's no excuse for for a performance like this. My my thing when I made that comment is more of it, it's kind of sad that at UTEP there are no repercussions yeah. for coaches. Like Sean Cougar probably has as long as he wants, you know, to run the program. Now I think the guy, you know, isn't he doesn't even want to be here ten years or anything like that. You know, that's my personal opinion. But, you know, you look at the basketball side of it as well. Tim Floyd, as we've seen, no matter what has happened with this program, no matter how little success he's he's achieved here, there are there's there's nothing that will get these coaches fired and that kind of sucks as a fan. Like, you know, I don't have a. I don't really question Coach Cougar's motivation. You know, and at, at a point, like I really did question Tim Floyd's whether he still had that fire to coach and want to win. You know, I don't really question that in, in Sean Cougar because he's still a young head coach. But it just sucks to see that like things like this happen, and it just seems like, well, it was my fault. Move on to the next one, and there's nothing else to it. You know what I mean? That's kind of like the basis for that comment that I made on Twitter. I'm not saying that he deserves to be asked. I'm just saying that a lot of country, a lot of programs around the country, coaches have to be worried off their ass after a performance like that, waiting for that knock to come on their door or that that text 
phone call, whatever, from their AD, like, hey, we need to talk. You know what I mean? And I don't see that happening at a, at a program like UTEP. Again, not a whole lot to say. 66-14, I don't, know, I don't even know how that kind of stuff happens, but it is what it is, especially on your home field, man. And especially in front of the biggest crowd in front of Sean Cougar's in Sean and Cougar's it's army, man. And it's army. Nope. Come on. This it, isn't, we didn't bring in Alabama. You know what nope. I mean? This isn't Alabama. It's coming, it wasn't even Texas. It wasn't even Texas, who I think is, you know, on a little side note tangent here, I think is a little overrated now that we see the yeah. cow, but we talked about that a few weeks ago. But anyway, you know, it just it, it's not even these top ranked teams that came in here and did it to us. It's army. Teams that teams that are almost on that same pedestal as you are. And that's and I think that's what frustrates people. You know, I had I had three people over at my crib to watch NFL Sunday games and I ain't gonna name them, just whatever. They're my boys. And two three of them, all three of them haven't really gone to UTEP games. But you know, the whole idea of Army game and the hype around it got them to go out there and buy tickets. You know what I mean? And yeah. that was cool because those, you know, those, those are my people, but they don't really, you know, they're UTEP fans. They read minor rush. They know what's going on, but they're, you know, they got lives or whatever. So they can't go to the game every weekend, but they made it a point to go to this game. And all three of them were like, that's the last 15 bucks UTEP's getting out of me. Yep. Because I mean, in like they said, they, they, read about the Sean Coogler hype. They wanted to give Sean Coogler a chance. And I think a lot of people were like that were saying, look, this is a different program. This isn't Mike Price. It's kind of different. And this was his opportunity to really reel in that extra 10, you know, UTEP's going to have their core 23,000, 24,000. That was to grab that extra seven to 10,000 people to come back next week and the week after. Well, that's gone. That And I think that for that fact is the reason why I think that the quote-unquote hot seat, and, and, you know, like I wrote in, in the teaser for the show, there isn't a hot seat at UTEP. That's what we were trying to get to the bottom of, and there isn't. But I think that in the game, in that type of situation, you know, when we've seen how attendance has hurt the athletic budget where we're playing these money games, and that seven to 10,000 people that could come in can kind of help even out a six-and-six six schedule, and hell, we can, you know, if we're getting 30,000 a game and, and winning, you don't, you can, Play Houston Baptist. You can afford to play those type of teams where you're not having to pay the bills and go get an ass beating at Texas or get an ass beating at Kansas State or Texas A&M to add that extra seventh game. I think that should be reason for hot seat here. That's my reasoning of it, and that's kind of why I say that because big-time programs, proactive athletic directors, people that look at that from a different standpoint that aren't lethargic and, and, and not you know just sitting back and collecting a check, that's what they do, and that's where, where you know I feel like – you know, I started that conversation among a lot of people, and you you, you got you got some big balls, bro, because you put that out there. You know what I mean? So, but it's the truth. But it's the damn truth. It's not hiding it. And I think my personal opinion, that's why I think that the question should have been raised, just because this was Sean Cougar's opportunity to grab what the, the same people that came when Mike Price those first those first two years when people were like, oh shit, you know, this is new product, and then you go out there and you see this exciting passing game, and you see UTEP go eight and four and get ranked. That was kind of Sean Cougar's way to show that look, this is Army, this is a big game, but this is UTEP football, our running style, our new quarterback, our transfer, our defense, Alvin, you know, without Alvin Jones, but what we want to build here, and it, all the all that that that. that Casual UTEP fan, that casual UTEP El Paso fan was like, fuck that. Why am I going to come here and watch the 66 to 14 when I could have been getting ready for the Canelo fight at the crib? You yeah, know, a lot of people did. A lot yeah, of people took off. Yeah, and, and, and so that, that, and, and we, we don't even got to sit here and spend a whole podcast on it, but that is just why you know, I feel that, that, you, that it really should have been. And it should be brought up eternally, and there should be questions asked. I'm going to pose a question to you, though, because when Sean Cougar came in, 
he he set the terms and he said, if I don't have this thing righted in three years, I'm out of here. I'll step down. Now, granted, he did go to a bowl game in year two after a, a what was it, two and ten the first year? Well, more like zero oh and twelve. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, two and ten, two and ten. So you know, he has a two and ten first year. He goes to a bowl game at six and six his second year, and and then he's back to was it three and nine last year? Five and seven. Felt like three. And Felt nine. like three and nine, but yeah, they were able to scrap together. <laughs> five seven. and seven. Okay, five and seven. Where where do we draw the line? You know what I'm saying? Like I, again, I'm not even calling for Coach Cougar's head right now. Yeah, I'm not uh-huh. saying that's not, I'm not I'm, the question should be raised. I'm posing the question though. Like, you know, has he has he done what he said he was going to do? I think at UTEP, at, at UTEP, a bowl game saves him just because you know yeah. we're we're not you know so what be real it, about so it. So what if it's another five and seven year? If it's a five and seven year and there's games that 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 is embarrassing that if it's basically if there's any embarrassment if there's no you know, and that's one thing that we could kind of look at as we can kind of ease into, you know, the, the, the rest of, uh, you know, getting the test. So this, this, Sean Cougar's teams have improved as the season has have gone along. That's true. You know, you, uh, UTEP defense, Brian Stein has wrote about it. He's harped on it, and it's the truth. You look at it. So I think a 5-7 and seven season to me is, okay, do we start 1-4? and four And then – And that's very likely Very likely. And then finish off strong where we were – again, a field goal away or a stop away, that to me is a good coaching job. Regardless, I mean, yes, of course, people are going to be like, well, what the fuck? we want to go to a bowl game. We want to be over 500, but you got to get what you're giving when you're at UTEP. And I mean, the fact is, is that we can't sit here and be like, oh, eight wins, nine wins, and this shit better get turned around, and we better sweep La Tech, and we well, better me- beat the fuck out of UTSA. It's not that. It's about just improving. And I think a bowl game, yes, but if there's a worse disaster, if it doesn't get a bowl game, some sort of progression with the weaknesses that we have harped on over the past three years. You know, uh, just to get a little TMZ going in here, uh, definitely talk to somebody who was, you know, somewhat close to the Cougar family who, who's already, and I don't even know if this is true or not. This is, this is just uh, alleged, reported, you know, this isn't news, if you will, but supposedly Coach Cougar's family is already gone. His, his younger daughter, his youngest daughter, I guess, or I'm not even sure how many kids he's got exactly. Obviously, he's got the two, the two guys that play football, but I don't know how many other kids he's got. Nah, but I, I don't he's know. got a daughter that was in high school. She's gone, and the wife is gone oh, back, back to the Midwest, as far as I know. Now, I don't know if that's 100% true or not, but as far as I know, that's, that's, that's from what I hear, it. that Coach Cougar's basically here alone. So, you know, what, what what do you make of that? You know what I mean? Like I'm not asking you. I'm just saying in general, <laughs> what do you make of that? You know, does that does that mean they're on their way out? Does that mean like regardless, he's ready to go? What does that mean? I mean, that's your family, you know. So that's, I don't know he's what you make of it. Guy. I don't even know how true it is. Just throwing that out there to get a little TMZ going on. I know that you know we never really talked about it, but there was also some issues last year. You know, coaching staff changes and whatnot. There was some issues internally. And and so a lot of things going on in there that that really don't get out, you know, that don't get heard of. And so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but we'll find out this football wise. Football wise, something's definitely got to change. Or I think for sure at the end of the season, that seat better be getting real hot. This team could very, very, very easily be one in four in two weeks. And and beaten and battered, even confidential eyes, health wise. I mean, and this is. This is a turning point. You know, this is really, the, this is, the, you know, obviously the generic name of this show. I'm trying to name these shows for y'all to find it easier for us, but it's a crossroad. Yeah. The Southern Miss game, we knew that, we talked about it last week, how the swing was going to, 
this thing, this this swing of games, these three game stretch is going to tell how things were going to go. And it's off to a shitty start. I mean, there's no, you know, it's, again, it's not even the loss. It's yeah, not even it's, just the loss. Yeah, it's how you it's lost. Exactly. And, 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 and my biggest question is, well, you know, there's so many things that they're struggling with. And you look at, 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 at I would say Louisiana Tech, that's next week. Southern Miss, if you look at what Southern Miss does and what UTEP has struggled with, I mean, it's, it's almost thinking like, well, damn, this probably can happen again next so, week. So, you know, when you look at losses like these, in my opinion, there's, there's two ways that a team rebounds from it. They get so pissed off that they got embarrassed like that. They come back and they take care of business the next week. Which you expect out of a Sean Cougar team. Which you would expect out of a Sean Cougar team. Or the team is so demoralized from getting beat like that that it takes them two or three more games before they're able to kind of come back out of that funk and find their groove again. You talk about a guy like Aaron Jones. There's no question in the kid's talent. The guy's as good as anybody in this this country, if you ask me, as far as running backs go. And – you know, he only rushed for 60, what, 67 yards? 11, 11, 11 carries. 67 yards? 11 carries. I mean, that's unheard of Aaron Jones. We're over here talking about how he's getting too many carries. He didn't even get to 12. He didn't even play you know, in the second even, half. And, and, well, he did play early because that's when most of his yards oh, came. Oh, that's right. Because yeah, his yeah, first half, he got shut down. Right. down. Yeah. In fact, I think we only had like seven yards at the half. 65 total yards. And, but possession. it was like seven rushing yards yeah. or 11 rushing, whatever it was. He got shut down. That's something you do not see. Is he able to just come right out of it, snap right out of it, get back to the Aaron Jones we know? Is that offensive line able to do that? Is that defense able to do that? Is that defense able to say, hey, you know, we had a bad game. Let's put it behind us and let's get going. Or do they stay in that funk? Is Alvin Jones healthy? There's so many questions coming into this Southern Miss game. The one thing that's, on, that's good is that they're, they're playing them at home. You know, we got them oh, here. Yeah. So you've got a home game to kind of get bounced back. If this game was in Hattiesburg – I, I'd be looking out for another 30, 40-point loss. Easily, easily. And, and let's start breaking that down right there. You talk about the biggest struggle to me, the biggest struggle offensively, and everybody's going to be like, passing game, Alex, we know. No, offensive line, dude. These guys are struggling. I mean, this is – we. UTEP's pride themselves, even in, even in that first year with Cougar was here, we saw improved offensive line play. I mean, this year it's – you know, it's not returning five starters like we thought or four starters. You plug in three on that left side, you know, including the center, and really we're struggling at right tackle and right guard. That's where UTEP is really struggling, and it's in the stats. I mean, you look at, at – I've really, really, really gotten really into these advanced stats. If you guys see my writings, I always try to bring them out there because I think they make sense. And this is the big one. When I look at UTEP, this is – every week when I go check – these advanced stats from Bill Connolly at SB Nation, footballstudyhall.com. Check it out, yo. If y'all a football head, a football statistician like me, check that shit out. Great information, and y'all see always pump it out. The first thing I look at is power success rate. And that, that's a real big thing with UTEP football offensively because that's what they're based out of. You see so many three tight ends, two tight ends, offset eyes, straight eye formation. Right now, UTEP's 57.1% success rate. Last year, that was like in the 60s and the 70s at this time of year. That's 92nd rated in the nation. That's not getting it done. That's really not getting it run. The stuff rate, this is what, this, to me, this is what, where it's at. UTEP stuff rate is 29.9%. That was in the 11% in the past couple of years combined. That's 126 in the nation. There's, what, 127 teams? That right there is, is a formula for bad success, and that's where you start seeing that 29 yard per carry that yeah. 2.8 that that's and that can't be that with the three you know what is the, the, the joke the three the three runs in a cloud of dust offense 
you can't do that. You know, and, that, and you know that, real quick, just to jump in there. I know Aaron Jones opened up with a great with a great performance against NMSU, but since then it hasn't been great. You know, no. you look at the first half of the Army game, you look at the entire Texas game. You take away that one run in the Texas game, and he rushed what seventeen times for like sixty yards. You know, that's that's up there in the three three something range. You know, and and that's that right there is like that, you know, it's not only just in the rush game, but you look at the stat, you know, the passing down sack rate. You know, you know how many years you could count on on your fingers. You know, last year it was 13 sacks that UTEP gave up. The year before, I think it was 11 sacks they gave up. Now you're looking at the passing down sack rate, 11.5%. When that's been in the threes and the two percent, that's impressive. Now, granted, like I brought the stat before, and now UTEP doesn't pass much, but that says a lot because that's a percentage on your pass attempts to your sacks. So if you don't pass much and you're giving up sacks, that's going to be high regardless. That's a you know, very even metric. Even with the offense UTEP runs, that's ranked 100 right now in the nation. The biggest thing that I saw with Army, and, and, it's, and this is going to segue into Southern Miss, is picking up blitzes. You know, that was a key. I, I just don't see that, that Eric Lee type of guy that we had. Eric Lee was the center of the past couple years, and he was great at picking up blitzes and making calls and making the right checks. You know, I saw, I saw at times when the ball's being snapped, a right guard or a right tackle's arm up, are still trying to identify, and the ball's being snapped. And all of a sudden, we're flushed out the pocket, and on a second and whatever we were in, second and seven, third and seven, you're fucked. You're gonna. That is the biggest issue, and that is what Southern Miss is gonna do. I watch Southern Miss; they play this kind of like this radar defensive alignment, where no, where you have you're basically they're lining up in, in kind of like a, a nickel in a sense, where they're gonna rush five, they're gonna rush four, but everybody's just standing around. You know, you got, got you got your defensive lineman standing up like he's a safety, safety your nose tackles back. Like a, basically nobody's on that line of scrimmage. And Southern Miss is one of the best teams so far this year. I think they're averaging close to like 10 tackles for loss this year. I mean, that right there is a really huge concern that I noticed last week. It's in the statistics. And then playing against a physical team that's going to blitz you, that can not only can blitz you, but they can beat you with their front four one-on-one. You know, man for man, that's what they do. That They don't blitz much. They rely on those guys. And that is really what's scary on the offensive side. Now you flip over to the defensive side, and our defensive line is getting ate up. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- these guys are just not getting off blocks. You know, it, it, it's, hard. It was, it's, hard, it's, it's hard to blitz out when, when, when you're playing, you know, a, a triple option. So, honestly, I feel – this is my opinion as we segue into the Southern Miss. I feel the defense is going to come out and play a better. I, I'm not going to say they're going to come out and shut down Southern It'd be Miss. hard to play worse. Yeah, it'd be hard to play, obviously. And, but I just think that, you know, this this 3-4 defense is built to, to really contain, not slow them down, not stop them, but to contain the Southern Miss. And I think you'll see some sort of improvement. But the biggest key is it's for UTEP as their offense. Can they sustain drives and match if it does get into a shootout? Or not so much of a shootout, but if Southern Miss gets a quick score, can this UTEP offense go on a four or five-minute drive to really make Southern Miss think? And that's, that's where I'm getting into in this, in, into this Southern Miss preview is I really feel the defense is going to take a step forward, a big step forward. Obviously, creating turnovers and creating, creating pass, uh, pass rush is going to be key, but – the downfall of this game is going to be the offensive line. And can we move guys? Can we create holes for Aaron more consistently? You know, I haven't seen Aaron Jones, you know, kind of just get stuffed at the line and have to cut in. I mean, and that's kind of a, that shows how good he is because he doesn't really get stuffed. He just kind of bounces off and, and he's able to keep his, his body in a position where he can find something, you know, and, and that's, and you look at, and when Quadres Wadley comes in, 
or anybody else that's ran the ball. And they're getting and you see these tackles for losses. You don't see that with Aaron because he's so good. But that is a that is a struggle, and that is what I feel is going to be a key. Can the defense continue to get pressure against? Because I felt like they played well in the two spread attacks against Texas. I felt they played well, even though you know it was a lopsided score at Texas. I just felt that they were all right. But you know, do you feel like? Do you feel you kind of feel me what I'm saying? The defense can kind of make that step, but it's going to be up to the offense to kind of help them out by sustaining the drive. I definitely think that, you know, the performance Saturday against Army was an outlier. You know, it's not it's not really what this defense is when you see them give up 66 points. That's not that's not what you've grown to to expect from a Sean Cougar defense. You know, they're they've, they've become a lot more physical. We even saw it early on. You saw them make a couple hits on the opening drive. They yeah. just they had no chance when the offense kept going three and out. But you know, so I do expect them to take that step forward. What concerns me is their inability to to stop. You know, to not give up. You know, four, five, six yards of play on first and second down. Because one of the keys that we talked about last week was not allowing Army to get into third and short. And they were the first five Every third downs they were. Every single time it was third and two, yep. third and three, third and one, third and two. And you can't do that against a team like Army or a team like, like Southern Miss. Southern Nick Mullins isn't off to necessarily the greatest start, completing under 60% of his passes, six touchdowns, six interceptions, kind of mediocre. But this is a team that's very explosive. Little, this is a team year. that was down uh, – 35-10. It was 35-10 against Kentucky in week one. Came back, scored 35 unanswered, 31 unanswered points, and won 41-10. Uh, 41-35. This is a team that can explode on you, and you cannot be giving them you know, four or five yards of down on first and second down. You've got to be able to put them into second and third and long, force them to make plays to beat you. And I'm not sure if that defense is going to be able to do that right now. You think is it a pass rush is the key? Is that why you feel I, I like definitely that? think that. You know, what we've, what we've seen so far – more than run stop is an inability to get pressure on the quarterback. And that ends up putting your, your secondary in bad spots when, you know, you have to cover for three, four, five, six seconds on the field. You give a guy time to throw, somebody's going to get open. Um, on the flip side, what really, concerns me, what really concerns me is that Southern Miss has a pretty good defense. Yeah, you know, really they come defense. in giving up under 300 yards a game, ranking top 10 in the nation. Even, you know, their, their last game that they just lost, which I think was kind of a hangover loss, if you ask yeah. me. Like, they just – they felt like we got, we got Kentucky. We just wiped the floor with Savannah State. You know, they got out early that yeah. six. They got and, out and early. They, just, they fell asleep and they got taken. But, you know, even in that game, they gave up just over 300 total yards. Wow. You know? So, I, I would – and I haven't really looked too much into the box score, but I would assume that means that some of those points came off of turnovers for, for Troy to get 37 field points. Field position and whatnot. But, you know, so – it scares me on both sides of the ball. I don't know that we're going to be able to stop them from getting into short down situations. And I don't know that our offense is going to be able to keep up with them if it comes down to it. I, and I haven't seen enough from, from Zach Greenlee, man. Again, you know, in, in, in we talked about the offensive line and they haven't really helped, been a help to him either. But he just looks uncomfortable out there, man. He does not look he's like he's not in sync with the he's not nope. He's not in sync with his receivers. And, you know, what disappoints me even more that we haven't even mentioned, we talked about it a couple times already this year, but why did, why did they refuse to give Ryan Metz a chance, man? Well, that, that, that's, I kind of want to touch on that, too, because there were some adjustments that Cougar made. And to me, the biggest one is Ryan Metz is now the, the backup. Okay. Which is, yeah, that, that, he did announce that on Monday. So 
And also on the offensive line, we may see a little Greg Long because I, I noticed that the depth chart. I mean, I've been I've been watching that offensive line the past couple of weeks. So my first question was, you know, you see John De La Rosa as a backup, uh, you know, and now uh, Anthony Kyle's is going to start, but Greg Long's been working at guard, so they're trying to get more athletic because these guys are they've just been too slow. So those are those are positive adjustments offensively, and I think the biggest one though is Ryan Metz. I mean, you look at his, his season numbers. I mean, granted, it's it, it, you know not limited, it's a sample limited. size. But you can see the difference. You can just see. He's the, a quarterback. The he's exactly, a true quarterback. Exactly. You know, he's a pocket. He's a pocket passer. Seven for nine. I mean, only nine passes. No. Seven for nine. You know, when he's been given the opportunities, he's shown that he can complete passes. He's not afraid. That's another thing. Yeah. It just seems like Zach Greenlee. I don't know if it's injuries. Like I don't know if he's, you know, nursing these, this bad knee, this bad shoulder. He's afraid to take a hit or afraid to get his job. You know, whatever, whatever it is. But he just does not seem comfortable back there. And every single time, dating back to last year when we saw when we saw Ryan Metz come in, he just looks. As soon as he gets in, he he, he looks like he's like he belongs. He's not phased. Yeah, he's not. He, 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 this is where he's supposed to be. He goes out. He leads the offense. Look, he's not the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. He's not maybe even the greatest quarterback to ever play at UTEP. But the the point is, he in my opinion, he right now is showing us that he is the best quarterback. I feel like the coaching staff has like an obligation. They feel they have an obligation to keep Zach Greenlee there yeah. because they, you know, they brought him as a transfer. There were probably probably some promises made, like, hey, you know, come over here. Well, you can, you know, you'll have the job if you do well and whatnot. And I think there's kind of that. There's just a little. There's a little hesitation to take that starting job from him. But honestly, man, like I, I think you know, if we start seeing Zach Greenlee struggle, I think we should absolutely turn to Ryan Betts and see what the kid can do. He's got a year under his belt now, a little more experience, a little more confidence. I mean, I think I think that's something to, to keep an eye on there. You know, he, he showed that. I went down on the field the last, like, well, the last quarter I was on the field chatting with the David from Minor Illustrated. And when they put Mets in on that final drive, I don't know if you had been watching or anybody was I watching. Was, but I was yeah. <laughs> it, He stepped up in the pocket. He took a shot, and he delivered a bullet. Uh, on a seven, it was like a seven-yard out route. I didn't see the exact route tree that it was, but that was that right there. Regardless if the game was out of play, regardless if Army had their third, fourth string in, that's a quarterback play. Yeah. That's what you talk about. And and you know, like I said last week, Sean Cougar's so conservative, he won't play Mets because Mets is gonna take those chances. Greenlee won't. Greenlee isn't. And, and to me, Greenlee has you know that that kind of playmaker, that alpha dog in them to do that. Yeah. You know, and and that's I honestly I expected that Ryan Metz alpha dog with some better touch and just more polished accuracy. That's what I my whole thought when when Zach Greenlee came in. That's what I thought. I felt a guy that's experienced, a guy that's gonna have that same gameship that we see out out of Ryan. And not saying Kavika doesn't have it, but I think Kavika have that more as a wideout. Yeah. You know, I've seen Kavika, that's his role. That is something that he can really help and hell, maybe he opens up the passing game because he can get open because he he knows Kavika's a baller. You know, Kavika's a baller. So that that's what we're looking at the quarterback position. And I think that's going to be interesting. That the most interesting thing is if Greenlee struggles in the first half and, and were Sean Cougar on Monday was really vying for Ryan Metz. And I was listening to the radio show earlier today that he did this evening. And he was again high on Ryan saying that he's our backup quarterback. He deserves a shot. Well, if Greenlee struggles and Greenlee, we, he's not 100% health-wise. We yeah. know that. You know, does Ryan Metz get that opportunity? And then the next question will be, 
Will Ryan Metz see that opportunity? And I think a guy like him, he's real hungry right now. You know, I, I you know, I, I don't want to speak for him or speak about him, but you know, just from a player's player to player's perspective for being there, it sucks being on the bench. It sucks being on the bench. It does. It sucks. You know what he went through last year to you know from now not getting getting that starting job, not so much the opportunity, but winning the job. You know, how's he going to respond to that? Being thrown in in a a 21 nothing Southern Miss lead game in the second quarter. Greenlee isn't doing well. You know, it, how is he going to respond as well? But I, I really, really think that we'll see him in some capacity. But, yeah, you're right. It, it's, it just seems like they have this this hope in that, you know, like you, you call it a, an obligation. You know, I look at it like an obligation and a hope that, you know, yeah, we want him to be there because we brought him in, but we're hoping that he can just turn it on. We're really hoping. We just want to leave him out there as long as he can. And before you know it, we could be one five, one and six before that happens. And you never know what, what, what a guy like Ryan Metz will give you. So that's something that's going to be very, very interesting to watch because I'm concerned offensively. Right. Like I said, defensively, I don't know why I feel like okay, they'll give us it just the goes, chance that it, they it, have. It, but it goes, offensively, I just don't see. I, I don't see any to, improvement. It goes back to what we've talked about, man. Off air, you know, I'll mention it here. Is just that it's all fine and dandy with this vanilla ass offense that Sean Cougar runs. When you're playing in Mexico State, when you're playing, you know, these, these smaller teams and teams that aren't as physical, aren't as fast on defense. But when you go up against legitimate Division One athlete, I shouldn't say legitimate. I'm not going to put New Mexico State as illegitimate. But you know what I'm saying? When you go up against these more physical and faster defenses, it's a lot harder to get by with that run it up the middle with 29 play. Yeah. You know? You know, you can only go, uh, you know, dive, draw sweep so many times it's just like you you have to change it up you just you cannot continue and, and, and with that where are the tight ends in the passing game you know and especially that, after a, a season like last year that plinky had only man. eight combined targets for plinky and kent taylor eight combined targets I, I don't get it you know that that was a big deal i felt that that was going to be a big deal to have both of those guys and it's not saying that they're busts i just don't feel like their their numbers being called you know oh, that's coaches no you know I, I, they're both i mean you look at doubt. plinky i mean look at plinky's numbers Three catches, 24 yards. He got he's two probably, touchdowns. He's probably only been targeted four or five times. Four targets. Four targets. And like I said, combined him and King T- Kent Taylor, eight targets. And I know Kent Taylor was a little banged up. But that shows right there where you, where you have these tight ends that can help out your running backs, can help out your receivers to get open. That's the key right now is getting open. That's the struggle. And, and Southern Miss has some pretty – and we know Southern Miss. We know how they recruit those skill positions. They always have athletes, long athletes. That's going to be a struggle because, like everybody's done, you go, man, you let your guys go out there and play. There's not much thinking of it when you play UTEP. And that is what I feel is going to get exposed this weekend if the same. We know what's crazy, man, is that it just seems it, it seems like it's so elementary, you know. It seems like it's so easy. Like, we're sitting, obviously, we're here, sitting here in these chairs thinking, like, we know what we're talking about and what we're Raider doing. fanboy over here. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it just seems like such, you know, simple adjustments to just, Open it up just a little bit. Make the defense respect the pass. Show that you actually have vertical threats. You know that you can actually beat a defense with your with your wide receivers. Because if you don't, then you allow them to just stack the box. And we t- I feel like I'm a broken record when I say stack the box because it, it we see it every single week with seven and eight man fronts all the time. And you're just like, how? I don't care how good Aaron Jones is. You're on a on a long term basis. Consistently, you're not going to beat defenses that are that are lining up, and they have an extra guy or two against you. You know, you're basically going six on seven or six on eight every single time. It's not going to work. 
And and I just you would think that this stuff would be so like it would be so easy to make these adjustments to try and open up the play con a little bit and just week in and week out you just see them continue to shove that that square peg in the round hole you know just like trying to get it in there and you're just like bro it's not gonna work it's not gonna work sucks because you know what I was I had like a personal bet with myself I said maybe like <laughs> you bet, hold on I, I was I was you bet yourself yeah I, I was like. <laughs> We I'll bet you. I was like, I was like, I give it to a week. I was like, back. I'll give it between six weeks before Anthony says squaring around. Yeah. Like, and it's not even week four. Oh man, dude. But anyways, six o'clock. Back to the six o'clock start. Southern Miss Conference USA play. God be with the All right, Niners. all right. Number one key of the game. Give it to me. Number one key of the game is you got to get pressure on Nick Mullins. I mean, I think this. You mentioned. You mentioned that his, his mistakes, his interception is almost – it's even the touchdown and the interception rate. I think that's the key. You get pressure, you make him make mistakes. That's what – that's been the downfall of Nick Mullins his whole career. This is a guy that we've really watched, really grown up before our eyes in a sense. I remember, you know, looking at his freshman, I'm like, God, this guy's horrible. Look yeah. at his, but that's what you got to do. You got to be able to get pressure on him. And that's a key every week, but more so this week because, like you mentioned earlier – you don't want to give up that six, seven yard completion and give him confidence and give those wide receiver confidence. And that also backs up the defense even more that, that get, that makes Tom Mason even more conservative from what I've seen. So getting pressure on him, that is my number one key this week. And you, you minimum four sacks, minimum three sacks. So four is a little high. I would say minimum I'll three. Take two. I'll take two. I'll, I'll, obviously. Yeah. I'm, I'm shooting for the stars, but I think three sacks and a bunch in on third downs and those second downs, flush him out of the pocket. Do not let him sit make there. Him make quick he, 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 he's, he can move, but he's not a guy that's going to throw on the run and dart. You know, we've seen that, that New Mexico State quarterback, Tyler Rogers. that's what he does. You won't see that at the moment. But I think if we're able to get that, that's a big key. I'll take the easy one and, and just go with what it seems to be UTEP's key every single week, and that's control the clock, you know, for multiple reasons. You know, I think I think one of the biggest things is that, you know, you're going to keep that offense off the field. Obviously, you know, you can sustain drives and go six, seven, eight minutes. But more than that, more than just keeping them off the field is on the flip side of keeping them off the field, you're keeping your defense off the field. And that is is what we've seen kill this defense two weeks in a row. You know, when you look back to the Texas game, again, we we said it last week, I don't know if we ever had a chance to win it. But, yeah, we were gassed by the second quarter because we continually put them out there. It was like three and out, and they come up with a stop or hold them to a field goal, and then we go three and out. Same thing, we go three and out. And you just you keep putting them back out there, and sooner or later they're going to break. And then that's what we saw. We saw that last week as well. It happened a little earlier. But regardless, you know, when that offense continually goes three and out and is unable to sustain drives, it's just a recipe for disaster. And that's what we saw, you know, Happened last week. So, again, that might be the easy one. Let me give you the third one, though. Okay, go ahead. Something that's been horrible the past two weeks that we haven't really touched on, field position. Field position on both sides of the ball. Allen Luna has – Especially that Texas game. Allen Luna has been – Almost, yeah. almost horrible. What's, what's crazy is he he's been pretty he, consistent, and he was one of the to me towards the end of the year. I don't like he his looked, style. He, yeah, he looked like one of the best punters field position wise in conference USA. But that style, you know, what seems he he hasn't gotten that bounce. Yeah, that, because he he does that rugby style where he rolls out, then he kicks that low liner, and then it, it like gets a knuckler. That, yeah, yeah, it gets that bounce, and then it rolls for thirty yards, and he hasn't been getting that bounce, and it seems like. You know, when it's hitting, it's checking up and it's coming Twice back, and those turn points. into you know twenty yard punts, twenty five yard punts instead of sixty yard punts. But and I think that's that's kind of, that's a really big deal is that field position. You shorten up the field for your offense because 
you like we mentioned, it, it, it just hasn't been there, the consistency. So you give yourself a chance. And that, that, that kind of parlays into, you know, 3B, forcing turnovers. You haven't seen that. Have we forced a turnover this year? Maybe one, two? I can't. The only <laughs> thing that I can think of is the Texas uh, fumble in the end. Then, yeah. That's the only one I can think of. I think of. we're, what, uh, negative five turnover margin right now, At just least. on the top of my head. I mean, that, that's got to be that, – that, I think turnovers and field position go hand in hand. You know, and that is, those are just things that you haven't seen, especially the last two games have just been horrible. I mean, you talk especially that Texas game. You know, obviously the Army game, we're fielding, you know, we're, we're fielding kickoffs every at the end of every Army possession. So, you know, it didn't really make a difference. But we did take a couple of bad uh, kickoff returns that pinned us inside the 20-yard line. You can't have that. You know, so field position and turnovers, I think, are, are – you know, more than pass rush, obviously I put pass rush first, but if you're if we don't have good field position, we're not turning each other miss over two to three two to three times and, and getting on Nick Mullins three times and that's that's asking a lot. That really is from a defense that's forced just one turnover this year. But you gotta turn that corner sometime. It, we mentioned that, you know, after these next two games it's manageable. But are you gonna set yourself up for some type of muscle memory, some type of confidence boost? And that's what I really feel is kind of a a big outlier this weekend of not only doing the, everything that we've touched on from the offensive line, from the defensive line to, you know, the three keys we just gave right now, but can this team pull it together mentally as well and, and ride, ride a win streak, you know, in the past, so I, you know, I brought this up with Sean Cougar on Monday where in, uh, UTEP defense did a nice post over there on minor digs about every time we've gotten waxed, whether it was Louisiana tech, whether it was FIU, We've been able to – Sean Cougar's been able to, to right the ship and go on either with three or four or I think it was four straight after La Tech waxed us when we went to the ball game. This is this, this is early in the year now. Yeah, Most of them – this is kind of a, a different story, but there is a reference point because a lot of these guys were there. And this is that time. This is that time where, you know, like we've talked about, we've seemed like – I think we've, we've covered a lot about, you know, what this team – how much goes into it. Can Sean Cougar kind of get off of – our hot seat, even though it doesn't mean a damn thing to him at the end of the day. But, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things that, that not only just to see how they react from a loss, but looking forward. And I think this is going to be the telling game because a one in a one in three start going to La Tech next week, you know, I'm looking basketball already and that's not even saying much. Yeah, no doubt about it. So just real quick to throw this out there, the, the one turnover that we have created was that Texas fumble. We've actually given up four, so we're minus three, minus one a game. That's 98th in the country, and uh, Southern Miss actually also ranks 98th in the country, but they've for, they've forced four turnovers, so they're they've given up seven. So, you know, they're still minus three, but they're at least forcing some. UTEP actually that that one turnover that they've created is 100 tied for 120th in the nation. Only three teams, four teams. Who are Rice, those four teams? I want to know. Rice. This is the zeros. Rice, Air Force, Toledo, and Buffalo are the only four teams that have. And, and have Air Force, the only reason why is because they're so damn efficient offensively. I think they're off to three and all start. I'm sorry, Rice has created a turnover. Sorry, Air Force, Toledo, Buffalo, three. My bad. And Toledo, Toledo is actually up there. Uh, Interestingly uh, enough, right there, tied with us at 120, are the Texas Longhorns, man. <laughs> All right, all right. Let's, Charlie let's, Strong, why didn't you go for it on fourth and ten? <laughs> you know what? That was that was crazy. That the, was the crazy. defense wasn't stopping anything. I mean, I, but I, I regardless I, of that, regardless of that, you know, you, you have two minutes left in the game. It, it was under two minutes. It was, right? under, it was like a minute fifty or something. Yeah, like no, like, two timeouts left. I could understand four minutes. Yeah. I could understand three and a half. You're really taking a shot on your defense. Once you get under three minutes, that's not even a question. Yeah. 
Especially with but Chris but on top of that, that was a bogus call that they gave Cal, bro. Oh, you know what? I actually walked out of the bar. I, w- I watched I, that I, live. I, I, I did. I did. I did it. Uh, I, I didn't saw watch it the end happen of that. live, I, and I saw him drop the ball, and I knew he dropped the ball early. I was like, that, I knew. I was thinking to myself, like, you bet yourself. I was thinking, I was talking to myself. <laughs> I, was I was like, he dropped it. As soon as he crossed, I walked out of the bar. Nah. I didn't even know. I didn't even notice until the next day, and I was like, oh, nah, dude, I, I saw it. And he, did it. I saw it. I was like, this dude just dropped the that ball already. And I was looking. I was waiting for the Texas guy to pick it up. I'm like, somebody's got to pick this up, you know? And sure enough, the first two guys pass. The third guy down picks it up. And I'm like, all right, it's going to be their ball. And then they come out with the whole, like, not a immediate recovery. Yeah. I'm like, man, this is as immediate as it's, that has ever no. happened on that style of play. That was, that was definitely I walked, a I walked call. out on, on some controversy for sure, but – Shoot, All right, man. give me a prediction. Give me a prediction. I'm going to say, I already gave a prediction. I did a Q&A with uh, an SB Nation correspondent. You can change it up if you want. Nah, I, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say Southern Miss 33, UTEP 14. I think it's, I feel the defense will keep it close, but Edo Smith, we didn't even talk about a guy like Edo Smith. I think he's a guy that, that is going to be, we talked about that defense getting worn down in the second half or at certain points. I think that is going to be the wear down factor. And, you know, a 24 to 13 game all of a sudden turns into that 32, 33 point game, you know, for the opposition. I think I just don't see this UTEP offense having a 360. I, hopefully I'm wrong, but I just don't see this offense doing what, what it wants to do. Not so much doing it what we want to do, but doing it what, what they want to do, sustaining a drive, keeping yourself in manageable third down situations, controlling the clock. I don't see that simple turnaround to say, UTEP can hang with Southern Miss in the shootout because Southern Miss is going to put up 30 points regardless of what UTEP does. So that that's kind of my basis of a, of a the 32-14 Southern Miss. But like I said, I think that UTEP defense, I wouldn't be surprised if they get an interception. Really wouldn't be surprised to see them get a defensive touchdown. That's also included in my 14 points there. So. In my opinion, that's the only thing that's going to keep them in this game is if they come up with a turnover like that early on, either deep in, in, in our own territory or in Southern Miss territory or, or uh, you know, Something like that. That's the only thing that's going to keep this team in the game, if, if you ask me. What's your, what's I, I, definitely, I definitely think Southern Miss gets 35, without question. Uh, they get 35 at least. And I'm thinking probably final score is going to be in the range of like 42-24. So we have a similar, you know, difference in points. But I think, I think uh, Southern Miss is going to be able to put up a few more points than, than you're expecting. I, 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 and I think it's going to open up earlier. I think it might even be the other, the other round where it's 42 you know, 14 or something, we, yeah. and then we get a garbage time touchdown or something Ryan to make Met- it 42 Ryan or 24. Yeah, I just, I just don't see how this, how this defense, the way they've been playing, they've played well in stretches, but the offense hasn't helped like we talked about. And if that's the case, which I think it, I don't see that changing. You know, you can only rely on Aaron Jones so much, and you can only expect him to do so much. So I don't see anything changing with the offense. So I think there's going to be long stretches, three, four drives in a row where we're punting after three, four plays and putting the defense back out there. And that's what's going to open up this game. You know, we might start out, or start out early and we see a long drive and everybody gets excited and it's 10-7 after the first quarter or yeah, something. Exactly. But exactly. second, third quarter, they're going to start opening it up. We're going to we're going to kind of run out of gas on offense. We're not going to be able to sustain those drives. We're not going to be able to keep the defense off the field. And that's what, where the, the game's going to open up. And, and I just yeah, I just don't know how we, how we come away with the win here. But, you know, it's tough because – we we say we've been saying it since week one. I mean, this this is a stretch where you could potentially go from being one and one to being one and four, and that will that's why that New Mexico State game was so crucial, so crucial. You know, because if you start zero and five, I don't want to think about that. And and, and you very well could have. You know, I mean, there was a yeah. point where New Mexico State started to make a run, and it yeah. came up with a big play 
by and I always forget the kid's name, the 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 D back that that came up with that pass breakup on when they were down 16, they were making a drive. Needham? No, it wasn't Needham. Kalon? No, it wasn't Kalon. Smith. No. Nope. Oh, uh, Royal. Royal. Oh, yeah, yeah, the hit. Yeah. He came okay, up with that hit on that big 16 receiver, or 15, yeah, whatever his number is, and and, and jarred the ball loose. And that, in my opinion, kind of it didn't save the game. It's not like we were gonna lose if that didn't happen, but. They had momentum. They were driving, you know. We got him into that fourth down situation, and he broke up that play. So, you know, but it's just crazy, you know. We're, we could very well be looking at one and four after next week. And and we've talked about that from week one, and we've known that the back end of the schedule is a lot nicer. It sets up a lot better for this team. But still, you're in a one and four hole, and that's tough to come out of. Especially if you're getting blown out, which could very well happen to what I think is the best team in their division. Southern Miss could have be the best team in Conference USA, and that's a perfect segue to go into the Conference USA power rankings. What's up with this, bro? Holy shit! Two and two and eighteen the past two weeks against FBS opponents. I mean, no, and this week, you know, and I even text you, fuck FBS opponents. Conference USA just got smacked around yeah. by the Sun Belt, by the Mac, the Mac by not the Sun Belt. Do we have a we did have a Sun Belt opponent, right? The nah, did we? Let me look real quick. No, Miami, Bowling Green, Troy, Texas. Troy and Troy Sun Belt. Troy is. But they didn't get smacked around, but still, they, they lost. They lost. And we talked. We talked about I how. Mean, look, look down this list, man. Look down this list. The top two teams, WW, and then you got L, 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 L. I got it right this week. Man, that's nobody got it the fall week. The one, the one that really surprised me was Marshall. Yeah, because they had a lead. They were twenty-one seven. Giving up, you know, sixty-six points. I'm checking out that thirty-four points, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you know. I text you, it was 21 7. I'm like, dude, Marshall's for real. And then all of a sudden, it was just like touchdown Akron. And you're like, okay, it's 21 14. Touchdown Akron, 21 21. Touchdown Akron. Like, it just kept 34 yeah, second quarter it, it, points. It just that's ridiculous. Was pouring that's on. like, F, that's what we do against FCS schools, bro. But, man, I mean, you mentioned it, number one, Western Kentucky. I mean, we're going to get to these number one votes here, this, this controversy yeah, uh, here. 14 first place votes go to Western Kentucky. Obviously, well deserved, two and one now. Only losses to, uh, to Alabama. They had uh, Miami, Ohio this week. Tough game. They came up with the win. You would have expected them to do better. They were up 24-3 to three at one point. a big game for them. Considering how well Vanderbilt played against um, against Middle, Middle Tennessee. Tennessee, you know, I think this is a big game for Western Kentucky. I know they – who did they who did they beat week one? Rice. Rice. So they, have, they have that, but I think this is their chance to kind of prove that they are the best team in the league. Yeah. You know, go up against an SEC opponent, take care field. of business on your own field. We'll see how that goes. Middle Tennessee comes in at number two. Um, By default, in a sense. They beat Bowling Green. That was something I expected. Southern Miss, number three. That was, again, like I mentioned, hangover loss to Troy, if you ask me. They've got uh, – who do they have this week? Jutet. <laughs> number four, Louisiana Tech. One and two now after losing 59-45 to Texas Tech. That game wasn't even that close. Yeah. They, it, it was 21 points most of the yeah, game. Yeah, it was like 49-31 was like – Four minutes left, or somewhere midway to the third quarter. Yeah, I mean Patrick Mahomes, dude, that boy, that boy's a baller. That's what we've grown to, to see from Louisiana Tech. And actually, talking about the Texas game, I mean Cal Davis Webb was a Texas Tech quarterback also, yep. but now he's doing it out there. Cal slinging the ball around. It's another team that's putting up points like crazy. Marshall loses 65-38 to Akron. They've got to bounce back. Oh wait, they've got Louisville. Bro, Louisville honestly might be the best team in the nation. Yeah, that, that, I mean, in my opinion, they have the best offense. Have you seen what's the spread on that? Me and my boy had. We were talking that. If my I boy was thinking. Think, 
guess. 40 points. Nah, I if up. I have to guess, it's probably 24 points. That over-under, um, though. The over-under is probably up in the 70s, high 70s. But, uh, you know, I know we're talking about Conference USA and UTEP, but, man, Louisville looks so stout, bro. That offense just – I mean, what they did video to Florida State, style. yeah, it's, it's, it's video game style. I was looking at uh, how this how this college football playoff might be setting up, you know, with with Alabama, Michigan, Louisville, and whoever the fourth turns out to be Ohio State or you know or even a, a team like Houston, man, you know, a little wild card. But that'd be a pretty, they, got, they got a tough road though. That'd be a pretty badass yeah. Final Four though, man. Michigan, Alabama, Louisville, and Houston. Oh, I, watch out for Ohio State. Though. Ohio State they smashed too. the hell out Ohio of them. But yeah, I mean that, that's. That's going to be a game where, I mean, damn. I, luckily, Marshall has that at home. I don't know if that's going to mean nothing. Because, I mean, you saw what Louisville did some pretty dirty things to Florida State. Yeah. And that quarterback is a quarterback that I recruit in NCAA. And he wins the trophies for me down the road. NCAA football, I missed that game. But, yeah, that's, that's, that's a scare. That's a, you talk about where they put up 70 on, on uh, Florida State. On, they put up 70 two. on Florida State. They put up 70 on Charlotte. And like, they put up. Like sixty something on uh, Syracuse, and they and you, you got Marshall coming off giving up sixty five to Akron, thirty four. That's quarter. gonna be it. that's. I, well, yeah, I'm gonna take that over. It's seventy six. The over it. is seventy. Well, actually seventy four. Well, check you, this out. It opened up at at Louisville nineteen and a half, nineteen point favorite. Now it's twenty six and a half. Yeah, that's what I figured. About but that that seventy four is that what that over is? Yeah. So you can pretty much pencil in Louisville for seventy. So you yeah. just need one touchdown from from Marshall. And okay, two or three. <laughs> <laughs> no, I the ball, but this is okay. Yes, number six, UTEP. I posted the question on Twitter. I didn't know. I was hoping people would be did like, somebody nah, said who it was? nah, nobody says nobody who it was. Nobody huh? I wasn't sure whether to count this ballot. But the way I looked at it was the rest of their votes were actually legitimate, if you want to call it that, because I mean it's so hard to pick. Two through four, thirteen in conference. Yeah, USA but that ain't right. right. That's but that ain't right. And, and if it happens again next week, if UTEP gets drummed, now if UTEP gets, if you no, win, period, period, period. Oh, Anthony's the lawman. No, I'm not the lawman. But come on, man. You know UTEP's the truth. They're not the first place. And we try to keep this poll so because we, it's been consistent and people look at. It, and I don't want people to start looking down. So, yeah, definitely. And, and so if, I know it, whoever, it was one thing in week one and in week it was two, cute, whatever. It was it's you know your homer pick and whatnot. That's cool, whatever. But let's be realistic, man. Yeah. You know, I don't even think Utah's the sixth best team in this conference I had them right at eight. now. I had yeah. them at eight. The only reason that they hold on to that position is because nobody yeah. else won behind them. But you even look at a team like UTSA who had Arizona State on the ropes, you know. That was maybe not on the ropes, but that was a game. I mean, they had opportunities to win that football game. And and I, that was something I didn't expect. You yeah. talked about Arizona State who just played Cal and put up, and put up 50-something yeah. points. And all of a sudden, they're in a dogfight with UTSA. UTSA led most of that game. So, too. I mean, you know, in my opinion, UTSA could probably have make an argument to be ahead of UTSA. And, it would be. and you take away that first place vote, then they are. You know, that's really – Yeah, that's, that's true. Of, that, that's, that's the fact of the matter no, on true. that one. So, Old I mean, Dominion comes in at number eight. They lost 49-22 at NC State. I think they're kind of, you know, settling in back to where they are in the bottom of the league. And we, we kind of realized that – I think they won week one pretty big, right? And that yeah. was, you know, you had some questions. Are they going to be good? But I don't know. I mean, NC State's no pushover, but losing by 27, two weeks in a row now, going down pretty big. I don't know. We'll see what's in store for them. Rice comes in at number nine, man. 0 and three now. I mean, granted, Baylor, but and they had, they were they gave them a little scale. It was 14 10 about four minutes left in the third quarter or the second half or first half, excuse me. But yeah, I mean, you can just tell their court. They, they tried to go to a more 
uh, hurry-up style type of spread offense, it's not working for them. And that's a big-time adjustment. That's part of the reason why they're 0-3. You got North Texas coming in at number 10. The dirty mean green. They took out Luke Del Rio. Tied 10. North Texas mean green. They lost to Florida 32-0. FAU got smashed at Kansas State 63-7. Um, FIU comes in at number 12, 0-3 now after losing. That was, that's my match. number seven team, by the way. Really? I, I put them at number Really? I, I just, UMass. I, I, UMass. I get it. I, I get I it. I mean, UMass is, is down this year, too. Yeah, we're, they were, I, I'll give them that. That was a, that was a close game, obviously, but I still think, I still think FIU is going to come around. That's why I have them up there. I feel like they played the quote-unquote better non-conference late so far. That's my argument. Last team in the league who's kind of settling in down there is been in their in. spot where they've been for like two is it two years now, right? Yeah, I think so. Come back, come back UAB. Come back. 37-19 Eastern Michigan uh, loss. Is Eastern, Eastern Michigan is, is in Eastern Michigan, right? Yeah, they are. They're in the MAC. They're in the MAC. Eastern, Central, and Western I don't even know what to say, man. You want to talk some basketball for a second or what do you want to do? You, I mean, I think we could at least mention, you know. Well, there, we did get a question, and that's kind of the big question right now. I think just because, you know, you're you're looking for you're looking for guys, you're looking for guys to to be around. And, and Isaiah Osborne, somebody asked his situation. You know, we don't know yet. I think UTEP is going to be real mum about it until it's official. You know, uh, Tim Floyd's basically cut off all of our sources in a sense to the basketball program. Like, I don't know of one person that I could hit up and be like, "Hey, what's up with the Osborne situation anymore?" A couple years, the past couple years, that's different. We could find out in a heartbeat whether it's still pending at least or it's resolved in some matter. Yeah. But we don't have. He's, it, we'll, he's got a stranglehold. Yeah, on he's got. He's cut off all the leaks. So right now, guys, I mean, that's a big. I've even got a couple of emails from fans. If you ask me, though. If you ask me, just knowing a little bit about the situation, it's not going to turn out good for for anybody involved in that whole thing, you know. And I and I and I I just don't see a way that that he's able to play this year. I don't. I just don't. I mean, the, the athletic director from the school that he transferred from Windsor has already spoke with two media outlets. One was a small blog in Canada, and then I saw one. I think Saturday. After the game, I came across it. I was chilling at the bar, and I came across it. Showed it to my boy because yeah, I hadn't told him about that story yet. And yeah, I mean, they're basically really trying to get the NCAA. And this is not like a Tim Floyd base, even though Tim Floyd just happened to be the guy that kind of set everything off because of the way that he went about it. And he pissed off a lot of people up there that, in Canada. That, and, 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 and it's not and, Tim Floyd's and, first yeah, you know, it's, issue. So, so that's where these guys are making a big deal about it, and they're going to the NCAA talking about there needs to be some sort of legislation. And I agree, you know, because their basketball programs, their money-making programs as well, you know, you have to somehow protect your investment if you're a can- in Canadian school because reading that yeah. article, there was a couple other players that they're, they're from mid-major teams that – I'm like, damn, that's where they got him from. That's where that kid came from. And I'm like, oh, shit. I mean, the thing is, though, you're talking about crossing international lines. You know, the NCAA does not govern in Canada, you know. So that's that's why I think their fight right now is falling on deaf ears until something bigger comes out. Here's what I think, okay. The reason that I think that, that Isaiah Osborne will not play this year is not necessarily because of anything that they did, legitimate, illegitimate, you know, shady, whatever. It doesn't matter, whatever. I, not not about the process of, of of how they got him, 
But I think the NCAA will find some kind of backdoor loophole type, like, oh, well, we're not going to grant him eligibility because of... You're employed. Well, pretty much. <laughs> but, you know, because of whatever it is. Like, yeah. you know, something that they'll find in his grades and his schooling and the different classing that don't... It doesn't comply and it doesn't meet our requirements. Oh, and, bullshit. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so I, I think, I think in that. the end, that's, that's what's going to happen. There's going to be some... Because that's the only way they can stop it from yeah, happening, yeah, you know? Because yep. there is no, like we talked about from the beginning, there's no legislation against this. There's no rules. And these Canadians are making noise, but it's not doing nothing other than people like because, us who follow because it. Because UTEP didn't break any rules. Yeah, exactly. It might have been immoral, you know? It might have been unethical, shady, unethical, whatever. whatever you want to say, but it's not against any rules. Yeah. So you can go to the NCAA all you want, and you can fight for this, and it's probably something you should. You know, should you're do. Need, you're probably and, and maybe in years to come, there's going to be regulations against doing that kind of stuff. But at this point, you can't penalize UTEP strictly on going to Canada and poaching a player from a team when there's no rules against it. Yep. You cannot punish them on that. Yeah. But the eligibility thing, I just think there's going to be some kind of technicality. There you always know, is. There always you is. didn't cross your T's and dot your I's and that kind of thing, and, and that's why he's not going to play. So I don't know. That's what I think. But more than that, man, I just think as we see this more and more, it's just becoming so obvious how, how just desperate Tim Floyd has become. You know, in the beginning, it was all about building the program and bringing in freshmen and building them up and two, three, four years in the program. And Going after the select star guys, select recruiting guys. And now like. it just seems like there's just offers going out to any Juco player available. I mean, and it's, it's not even like, do we need a guy like this? It's just like, is there a good guy available? We'll throw him an offer. Yeah. You know, is it a power forward? Is it a guard? Is it a center? Is it whatever? It doesn't matter. Just throw him an offer. And that's what it seems. I, To be honest with you, I haven't, you know, paid too much attention, but it just seems like every offer that comes in is a six, 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 seven guy. Nope. It doesn't even seem like they're like trying to do anything. Like there, there was always that specific specialist I guess you could say specific need and now it's just I mean you look at the past couple months I mean it's just Juco heavy it's point uh, kind of iffy on the point guards I mean it's enough I think they feel good with Deion Barrett I think Deion Barrett's a guy that that will stick around for four years I mean hopefully I'm not eating my words two three years from now with the transfer world but you know you look at these positions that I mentioned is is it is it preventative maintenance to something that could for being foreseen if Terry Wynn decides to go the Lee Moore route, if Omega Harris decides to go the Vince Hunter route. I mean, it, it, it just throws a lot of questions about are you still building a program or are you recruiting in case shit hits the fan and, no, and you got to he, have, he's, he's have commits or, or signees on deck. He's I'm, not building a program at all. He's fielding a team. That's right, what that's he's doing. Still, like, he's he's like, trying to get wins this year, which is great. That's what we want to see, but, you know, what does that do for the next year? And the next year, are we in this boat every year? Are we in this boat of trying to get a hold of juniors and seniors Six that are going to have comers every year? In a and I think that's the one thing. You know, you talk about uh, you know the Lee Moore situation. If it, it might be Terry Wynn that's next, or Omega Harris, or whoever it is, we, the one thing that we can almost guarantee every year from a Tim Floyd team is that there's going to be defection. Somebody important. Somebody's going to be gone, whether it be you know academic or or you know uh punished or what do you want to say uh what's the what's the word i'm looking for here related to you know team rules team rules or you know whatever the point is the (laughs) (laughs) the point is we can almost guarantee that that there's going to be some players that leave the team and so you know 
We'll find out more October 26th. Anthony you just depressed. I, I, I might have to we get, get some tissues around here, bro. We, uh, <laughs> but October 22nd, I mean, we'll find out. I mean, this it's just obviously we're going to get into more basketball next couple of weeks as, you know, we get a chance it's, it's, to see who's on the team and who's doing sorry, what. Come, and, come, come October, I'm going to be all homered out and be like, yeah. we're going to the NCAA tournament this year. Just imagine <laughs> if, if Omega, if Dominic, and Terry just happen to do this, bro. It could happen. Oh, if man. one of the freshmen just come out and... We're that's, gonna... that's, that's where I'm going to be in about three, four weeks, bro. So. Oh, t- Fuck Floyd, man. He's, he's, he's fired up, man. I know it. I know it's it. like the, it's, you've seen Ray Orta, right? Yeah. The guy, uh, he does his Facebook videos for Fernando La Vela, yeah. for the Cowboys and all that. Uh, that's, that's pretty much what I'm going to be, bro. Pinchy Floyd, way. Pinchy Floyd, way. <laughs> oh, all man. All right. Well, hope y'all enjoyed it. Another episode of the Rush Podcast in the oh, books. Podcast Not too bad. Dark. It's 10 o'clock. I like that. I like it. This is past my bedtime, man. I know we're old men. We're even, old men now. You know we're still young. Dallas. You're not even, you're like what, 20, 28? I'm only 43, man. Ooh. <laughs> 31, 31, but I'm still an old man, dude. I feel like an old man. You, gotta, you know, it's funny. I played, I played sports. I might've mentioned this growing up, you know, on the podcast, but I played sports growing up, never had like any really major injuries. And then like 25 years old hits and all of a sudden, man, tear my AC joint in my shoulder playing sports, dislocate my foot, foot year, playing right? sports. It's like, damn, man, I, my body just can't handle it anymore. So, yeah, I'm an old man. It's past my bedtime. Y'all know where to find us, minorrush.com, sbnminorrush at gmail.com, at sbnminorrush on Twitter, and wherever else you can find us. Hit us up. Let us know what you think, questions, Rate comments, us on concerns. iTunes. Rate us on iTunes. See you all next week.